0: yo what's up welcome to kind of funny games daily for tuesday june 15th 2021 i'm your host blessing adio jr joining me is tim ma fucking gettys
1: forever blessed it felt like it was pre-three now it's post three
0: we're now just here
1: e e3 is over man we did it how are, how are you feeling A whole entire week plus of
0: insane coverage Tim I'm so exhausted (laughs) yeah like it was such a fun week it's been nonstop, and it's a good exhausted I'm feeling right now I feel like we just did something uh Mm -hmm. which is awesome how do you feel
1: I feel the exact same way man I I think that as a team we've never done better work during E3 every year we just get better and they gave us a lot to a lot to do a lot to react to a lot to cover a lot of fun stuff and I I think you know there was definitely a, a lot of bummers and a lot of letdowns and a lot of things that didn't need to happen but that was offset with a a plentiful amount of things that are real big banger announcements
0: yeah i mean tell me more about how you feel about how this e3 went overall because of course right now is the last day i know the bandai namco presentation is going on right now that is just house of ashes which is why we're not live reacting to it and then later on there's still the Gamespot play for all showcase which is going to go live right after this episode uh this live episode of kfgd which i encourage people go check out but now that we're here and kind of funny's e3 coverage is closing out like you know how's e3 been for you how do you feel about how the show went overall
1: you know i i have a lot <clears throat> a lot of thoughts that i kind of want to think about a little bit more and maybe do a games cast uh in the coming weeks really kind of talking about like doing like a postmortem on on e3 and summer game fest and what we all kind of uh want to see in the future because i do think that there were many st- positive steps taken forward here but there were a couple steps back and i think a lot of it has to do with the the at this point very obvious rivalry between the e3 side on the esa and then the summer game fest mm-hmm. with jeff Keeley, and you know some of the tweets back and forth that we've seen or at least going one way from jeff to e3 for the most part uh it's clear that there that things are not on in parallel they're they're not together and with that i think both sides have kind of had to scramble to bulk up uh their offerings and i think that was to the detriment of both sides really so Mm -hmm. i want to see a world where they kind of work a little bit more together and that they're like we've been saying for a long time that we see kind of a ringleader somebody really organizing all this stuff and somebody with to be able to make the calls of being like I'm going to look at the briefing of what you're going to have in this showcase and we'll decide should there be a showcase or not.
0: Yeah, exactly. And talk maybe talk about like, OK, how are we going to communicate this? If you're going to have a commercial, how do we talk about this in a way that it's just commercial in the case of something like Capcom or even Gearbox? Where it's like, cool, you guys can do this, but we got to we got to talk about this differently. We can't make this look like it's going to be a summer games fest kickoff or a xbox showcase or something along the lines of square enix we got to do something different with it i will say for me uh, you know zoomed out from the actual analytical thing of you know what is e3 how is e3 doing i will say this has been such a fun week of covering content for kind of funny like -hmm. this is my first official e3 with kind of funny and so i've actually gotten to go through all the motions of going through working during the weekend uh doing shows back to back to back to back being live all day and having having all the fun of hanging out with y'all and then hanging out with the community which has been such a such a really cool thing that i've absolutely adored and then at the same time being able to tune into the e3 stream and seeing greg miller killing it out there seeing michael heim kill it out there jackie jing and golden boy and everybody out there uh doing their thing you know on the big stage it's i i mentioned it sunday during one of our live reactions that it it fills me with pride and yeah like looking back at it it's been such an incredible weekend just to see friends having this moment together and being able to shine together
1: yeah and more friends than ever have in a moment right i think that's the the best thing going of there being two things with Summer Game Fest and E3 is like there are so many more stages for people to share and for people to to have and platforms and you know the amount of different groups that have been reacting I think it's awesome that there's kind of funny and easy allies and giant bomb and now next Lander and it just the list goes on and on of like the different groups that are all kind of reacting and I I love that the communities can kind of choose where they want to go even depending on conference to conference if they want to bounce between them all and it's just it's really cool. So much fun offerings and stuff. I, and yeah,
0: Tim there's still more to talk about with E3 because today's stories include a Nintendo E3 wrap-up, Cyberpunk coming back to the PlayStation Store, and what the fuck is going on with Everwild because this is kind of funny games daily each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here except for today because we're going live at 2 30 p.m. Uh, because of how Nintendo Direct and everything shook out but live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames we run you through the nerdy news that you need to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong if you don't want to watch live you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games with bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you in case you missed it there's a bunch of E3 content to catch up on the kind of funny games cast reaction to the Nintendo Direct is now live it's me, it's Tim, it's Janet Garcia, it's Barrett Courtney, it's Andy Cortez and it's Greg Miller all hyped about Mario Party Superstars and Metroid Dread and all the goodies we got from the Nintendo Direct that we're about to talk about. Also, XOXO, featuring Janet Garcia uh, is also live. We talk about what E3 means for PlayStation, and we build our own fake PlayStation E3 press conference. It was a really good time. It was a really fun topic, and so go check that out. You can catch both of those on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and on podcast services around the globe. Also remember, you can catch our live reactions to all the biggest E3 showcases uh, uploaded on YouTube right now now uh and then as i'm going through this housekeeping barrett is literally typing he's literally typing i can see i can see him saying something tim and barrett will be breaking down barrett type faster zelda Wild Two
1: trailer we're going to be doing a a breakdown to it it won't be live it will just go up on youtube.com slash kind of funny games so stay tuned for that but uh barrett's been looking into all the theories having his own theories we're just going to kind of go semi frame by frame and figure out what we what we think's going on in uh the hotly anticipated sequel
0: hell yeah. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Donovan Harkness and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Burrow, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have four stories today. A baker's dozen. Starting with... Story number one, Nintendo's biggest E3 headlines. I'm pulling from Andy Robinson at VGC to help catch us up. Uh, Nintendo's E3 2020 2021 Direct didn't disappoint in terms of surprises, with the platform holder reviving more than one series that hasn't, been, that hasn't seen a release in over a decade. At the top of the list is Metroid Dread, the first mainline 2D entry in 19 years, which its developer says will end a story arc that began in the 80s. Nintendo also revealed a new Advance Wars title, uh, which will remake the original strategy games from the Game Boy Advance, and uh, a new installment in the Warriorware franchise. The the Direct concluded with the first look at The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 since its announcement two years ago. The sequel will feature an expanded world, Nintendo said, and is targeting a release in 2022. Finally, Nintendo will celebrate Zelda's 35th anniversary this year uh, with a special edition Game & Watch, which includes the original two Zelda titles and Link's Awakening. Uh, We also got Mario Party Superstars coming to Nintendo Switch later this year. We got Kazuya from Tekken uh, coming to Smash Bros. Ultimate as a DLC character. We got Fatal Frame Maiden of Blackwater uh, being ported to all formats. Uh, We got Super Monkey Ball, uh, Banana Mania, uh, that's been officially announced. And then the Guardians of the Galaxy is coming to Nintendo Switch. Uh, It it will be a streaming title on the platform. Tim, now that we've had a few hours to kind of calm down from the hype of Nintendo Direct, how are you feeling about it?
1: I mean, honestly, I've only gotten uh, more stoked on it. I I think when you really look at Nintendo's lineup from here to... 2022 honestly it is the most exciting time to be a nintendo fan than we've had in a while uh i love that this is a ridiculous quantity of the high b to a tier nintendo titles and honestly we're revisiting a whole bunch of franchises in ways that i never expected nintendo to actually go through with and and do but going back to WarioWare, getting a a mario party that is the og's remade it's like everything about mario party superstars is just like wow y'all are nailing it this is a dream game in so many ways um and on top of that Advance wars like warioware these things coming back like there really is this like gba resurgence going on like we're getting a sequel to metroid fusion and it is metroid dread a game that was officially announced like over like 15 years ago like it's insane that we're actually getting this game and i'm super freaking excited about it mercury steam's making it and they knocked it out of the park with samus returns a couple years ago on the 3ds um it coming this year october like i like how many release dates we got from nintendo right where we told like it from september to november it is about to be like weekly releases from them um and if you are a fan of multiplayer nintendo it's about to be a really damn good time
0: yeah i think that's my thing this is such a fun and interesting nintendo direct because it was a lot of left-field announcements, right? It was a new WarioWare coming out for Switch, which which is an awesome thing. Many fans have been asking for a WarioWare Switch. It was Mario Party Superstars, which was this kind of unexpected thing, but a really cool announcement. And, you know, as I was watching the Direct, I was keeping my eyes on chat to see what people were saying about it. And it was very interesting to see how divided people were. I think this is one of the Directs where... For me, it had a lot of things that spoke to me, but I can definitely understand people who are like, "Yeah, there was nothing for me in this direct because there wasn't that necessarily There wasn't that one thing, uh, or like there wasn't those, I guess, few things that bring people in as really hyped announcements. We had Metroid Dread, which is going to speak to that audience and which is going to be hyped for a certain amount of people. I know that was hyped for you. That was a bit hyped for me. That was hyped for multiple people in the call. You had Mario's Party Superstars, which spoke to multiple of us. You had Warrior, and then you had something like Advanced Wars, which definitely spoke to a few of us in the call. But even me, I'm not... I look at that and I'm like, wow. What a cool announcement. Not necessarily for me, but I know that people who love Advanced Wars are going to love that, and that's a really cool thing. Um, but I think that speaks to, yeah, this is a very... It's a very interesting one. It puts us in a very interesting place because that brings up the question of, all right, so what is going on with the big titles in the Switch Pro? We got more Breath of the Wild 2, which is very exciting. I was freaking out about that. Absolutely loved what they showed. I'm excited to see what you and Bear had to say about it in that, in that trailer breakdown. But for those again, like big titles that we can look forward to for the future, for the next 3D Mario, for Bayonetta 3, for Metroid Prime 4, right? Like, what do, what does this direct mean for those? Do you feel like, th- do you, wh- where do you stand with that?
1: I, I think it means really good things, honestly. I think that this direct is a very, very clear, obvious sign of where Nintendo's at. Uh, Nintendo Japan makes decisions. They're the ones running the ship always. So Nintendo of America is just kind of the ones there to kind of fall in line and, and do what is what is told to them right and looking at the list of games that are, that we see here some of them look a little more rough than others and i i think that when we look at something like uh super or mario party superstars i was actually really impressed uh with the visuals of the game and how much love and care is being put into it and then you look at things like Advance wars and it's like okay maybe maybe not so much and even metroid i'm like i i don't know that this is like the visual showpiece type title that um People might have wanted or expected, but I think that's totally okay. This this is their tier of games. I was saying this earlier in uh, one of our reactions that this lineup reminds me a lot of not Nintendo's 2017 lineup, which was Odyssey, Mario Odyssey, Zelda Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then like smaller titles like Arms it's more like the 2019 that we got where, you know, we got Pokemon sword and shield, obviously that's a a big deal, a core Pokemon title, but then it was Luigi's mansion three and Zelda's links, link awake links, awakening. And this lineup we have this year, the rest of this year reminds me of that where it's like, let's yeah. fill in the gaps with all Nintendo has so many franchises. It's not like uh, we go in and we're like, Oh, I hope this one thing is here. We're going in and there's like 20 different things that we're hoping for. And I think that, Uh, any way you shake it this direct had a lot of those things and it might not speak to you obviously I would I want Metroid Prime 4 I want a new Nintendo EAD project anything that they do whether it's Mario Donkey Kong or otherwise like I I want that over most of what we saw here but the amount of what we saw here I think they really did a good job and I think that this is perfectly teeing up yeah Switch Pro 2022 with Breath of the Wild next year's Nintendo E3 That's when we're going to start seeing a lot of the bigger projects be talked about and announced and that's just where we're at right now nintendo got hit hard with corona hard and this is a perfect example of them making the best of that i think they're doing a much better job than i expected
0: yeah i think this this direct for me uh did what i really wanted which was fill out what the rest of this year looks like because you know, For Nintendo, especially last year, there was that thing of, okay, me, man, we're having a video game drought. We're getting our our uh, Paper Mario game. We, we're getting our um, uh, Hyrule Warriors game. But outside of that, it felt like there was a lot of emptiness going on toward the, the latter half of last year. And, and this year, I, you're absolutely right. Uh, it does mirror that year that we got things like Luigi's Mansion and a lot of similar games. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to what this fall has for Nintendo when you factor in, yes, Mario Party Superstars, Pokemon uh, Brilliant Diamond, uh, Warrior WarioWare, and, and everything around it. Now, Tim, I want to bring in a question from Connor Kilmury, who writes in at patreon.com slash games, just like you can, and says, hey there, KFGD crew. So the Switch Pro looks like it's being held off till 2022 to tie in with, with Breath of the Wild 2, right? It seems weird that they would launch it without a major tentpole game to tie, tie into it. Or do you think they launched the Switch Pro this holiday anyway and build up the base even, even more before Breath of the Wild 2 drops? Thanks for the insight and game daily.
1: I legitimately don't think that the Switch Pro needs to be tied to Zelda or any title at all. Like Nintendo in the past, when you look at like what they've done, it's like if it lines up, they'll use the marketing to just kind of have that double win there. But if it doesn't, they're just going to release the Nintendo Switch Pro and it's going to sell out no matter how many they have available. Even if it was in pandemic time, it'd be hard to get your hands on one. And having it tie into Zelda and stuff, it's like they don't really need to do that. Zelda's going to sell better than other Zelda games ever have, because that's just what's been proven on the switch so far that keeps happening. And the sequel to Breath of the Wild's going to have a really high attach rate, whether it's switch pro or otherwise. Having said that, I, I I'm back to not really having a guess here. I don't I don't really have any educated hypothesis on is the pro switch pro this year or next year. I honestly think it could be be any and it wouldn't be a big surprise to me because we're already at a point that uh games would benefit from having that yeah. stuff and it's it's like holding that for this giant big experience i think is is silly in in some way right it's just yeah. like we're we're getting so many games from nintendo and if you just want more people to be able to get that switch pro to get a switch in general because you imagine majority of these are going to be or all of them i assume potentially are going to be backwards compatible on on both on the entire switch ecosystem
0: of course. Yeah, I think that's the thing is when we talk about the Switch Pro possibly having a lineup to it, I think the fact of the matter is the Switch Pro is probably going to be ready before The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be ready, especially with the way they talked about Breath of the Wild 2. They, they, they said that they're targeting 2022, but they said that with this air of not being sure, you know, like 2022 is the goal, and I feel like if that is if that is kind of the language you're attaching to it, that thing could easily slip into 2023 and as Nintendo holding this piece of hardware that you probably want to get out probably a little bit soonish because the switch has been out for so long. It's not necessarily worth holding that for anything. You know, you're going to, you're going to have maybe Pokemon legends, uh, legends RC is coming out in January and something like Mario and uh, rabbits. is crazy. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, But you're going to have games that you can maybe tie to that in order to boost that marketing. But for Nintendo and the switch, People are going to show up regardless, and with when Breath of the Wild 2 eventually does come out, people are going to show up for it regardless. And again, like as Nintendo, you have plenty of titles you can pull in. You have an ongoing library of bigger games that are going to come out over the next few years. You know, I, you, I'm at the point now where I, I'm I'm not convinced anymore that those things are going to line up in terms of launch because of how hard development is and how how much quarantine has kind of screwed with development, especially over at Nintendo, like you said.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's going to be interesting when we see all this shake out. I, I do think that it's it's fun that we're in this place where we have Horizon for PlayStation, we have Halo Infinite for Xbox, and we have Breath of the Wild for Nintendo, where all of them are like, hey, we're going to tell you as much information as we can, and we're trying, we're aiming for this, we're aiming for that, and it's just like that's a that's language we haven't really heard before with uh, with these type of games. So. Mm-hmm. i think it's it's kind of cool and it is just a sign of where we're at but horizon and halo both of them targeting 2021 this is targeting 2022 it's just the reality now,
0: now tim we're, out, we're at e3 day last right i got mm-hmm. an interesting question here from anonymous who writes in and says who won e3 tim who won e3
1: i feel like this is always a fun question to talk about right and i feel like Since the dawn of time, essentially, it's been a silly question because depending on the type of things that games that you like to play, it's going to be a different answer for everybody. But that's the fun of this, right? Mm -hmm. I think that this year in particular, uh, it's probably the most difficult to really choose a winner Um, in some ways, just because there were so many different conferences. And I feel like there's just less while there were more showcases, there are less showcases actually in the conversation of winners. In traditional years, we'd at least have three. We would at least have uh, Microsoft, PlayStation, and Nintendo, and then it's like if Bethesda had a killer show, they'd be in the conversation. If Ubisoft pulled some shit out of their ass, there'd be some some conversation there. But where we're at right now, it's kind of like if we're just talking about the showcases, it's really just Nintendo versus Xbox. Like I don't think that you anybody. Throw
0: a Summer Games Fest kickoff in there at all?
1: I wouldn't. They had Elden Ring. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when you really and and I loved. I think that there was a lot of really good done, and I think Summer Game Fest did a lot of fantastic stuff, and I can't wait to see that continue to grow. And kickoff live is a great thing that I want to see every year at E three or around E three. But I think that if we're talking about like what showcase one, it's mm-hmm. between Microsoft and Nintendo, and if I'm going between those two, like honestly, I I think I think it's 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 fairly a tie in the in what they accomplished for the audiences they're trying to accomplish it for Mm. and i i think that both had some big major announcements and i think that they both were lacking in other ways um and i think that they have a lot of almost one for one things of what they have versus don't have and all that but i do think at the end of the day broken record here if i had to choose one it goes to microsoft because of game pass and because of how they sold it and these were just watching commercials and grading commercials. And that was a fucking fantastic commercial for game pass.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, I'm Xbox fully. I think Xbox, uh, kind of easily took it right. Nintendo being, being a, a second place for me, but for me, Xbox did what I think they needed to do in order to make me as somebody who's not really ever been fully in their ecosystem to go, wow, they really got their shit together and they really got an exciting feature, you know? And like, of course, nintendo has the switch we've loved the switch forever uh other platforms you know to, to ease their own in terms of how much you enjoy them uh xbox i feel like has had this ongoing narrative of climbing up from the depths that were that 2013 uh, uh disaster with the launch of the xbox one and over the course of this whole last generation it's felt like they've been trying to kind of gain ground and in recent years they've been gaining that ground more and more and i think you know, the audiences have been believing what they're doing more and more and more, but I think for me, this was the one where I was like, okay, yeah, like, you guys have a lineup. You guys have a pretty exciting fall this fall when, when you look at both the the big games and when you look at, at uh, everything else surrounding that, right? Like, when you look at the Uh, forza horizon fives when you look at halo infinite and how they're treating that and how exciting it was to sit down with you andy and still like mike and watch the halo multiplayer reveal and see how high people were about that when you look at 12 minutes and how that's launching on game pass along with hades uh, the ascent um you have psychonauts 2 which is an xbox exclusive like They've they've really done a good job stating their case in terms of what Xbox is and what the future of Xbox is, and then you get into things like the announcement of the Outer Worlds too. You get into things like uh, putting a date uh, in a in a, another look on Starfield. You know you get into you get into them casting um, vision for the future and. I think overall, they just did a fantastic, beautiful job of, of really laying out the case of what is Xbox and why is Xbox the way to play. And it, it all co- it all culminates in that Phil Spencer speech that he gave towards the end of it, which I thought was very clear uh, and very powerful in terms of how much they believe in their own vision. Uh, and so for me, it was Xbox. And of course, it's E3 and so it's it's going to be to use their own, you know, some people are going to say uh, Summer Games Fest because it had the biggest announcement with Elden Ring for a lot of people. Um, but I, th- I think for me, Xbox is where it's at in terms of who I think won E3. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think they just did a really good job of, like you said, kind of selling who they are and what they're doing. And I think that we've for years kind of been like this is going to be the e3 that the xbox shows up and i still don't think that this was it i still think that they have a lot to prove of putting out like actually having the games come out like they did answer the question of where are the games and it's like well here they are but now we still need to get to that point that that actual cadence of release is coming like we're still going to go essentially this entire year without the major uh first party releases coming to game pass and once that kicks off with Halo, then it kind of feels like it's going to be nonstop. Boom, 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 boom. Every quarter, we're like getting some some major, major, major releases, and that's why it's like thinking about what next year's E3 might look like for Xbox. That's crazy when there's more known quantities, when there's more highly reviewed games. Hopefully uh that people understand like damn game pass isn't just a place with a shit ton of games that I can play for really cheap it's a place with a shit ton of exclusive extremely high quality games that I can play really cheap in addition to all the other value ads and stuff but then the third party side of it right like even back for blood being on Xbox game pass that is huge we're going to continue to see more deals and decisions made that way to just continue to bolster the power of the Xbox ecosystem and just Xbox Game Studios as a whole and especially once Bethesda starts getting fully into the Xbox thing and when I inevitably think they will drop the Bethesda name have it just be Xbox and have the Bethesda teams just under them like that's going to be utterly bonkers
0: mm-hmm. now I kind of want to flip the question on, on, on its head who lost E3 I know it's kind of a negative one but I feel like this E3, it being kind of as shaky as it was. When you look at how multiple different uh, publishers and companies handled it, you look at Capcom, you look at Kot, you look at um, Gearbox, and there's a lot of room for improvement and understanding of hey, this is not how you handle it, E3. This is not how you approach E3. Like this is th- these are the things you got to do better next year. For you, do you think there's like a one company uh, that was the shining case of hey, no, this is not how you do it?
1: Oh, I mean, I think there's a bazillion examples of that, honestly. And let's stop exaggerating. There's probably like five or six examples of how not to do it that we saw. that are very clear examples. I don't necessarily think anybody lost E3 in the same way I think that Nintendo and Microsoft won. Um, I do think that because like at the end of the day, it's like Koch Media. It's like, what did they lose? Nobody gave a fuck to begin with. You know what I mean? So it's like we kind of went into it like. Hoping to see something, and then there wasn't anything there. Square Enix presents at least we got Guardians out of it. Like at least we have some more information on on some games. I, I guess if I had to choose a loser, it would be Square because they were the ones that um, had p- showed the most things that people were excited for in a disappointing fashion. When it comes to Final Fantasy Origins and Babylon's Fall, um, I think those are probably the only two things shown that people are like, mm, I was waiting for that, and that wasn't good. So yeah, I guess Square's Square's my answer for loser
0: yeah yeah, i think that's a good answer and honestly like i mentioned this yesterday on games daily that if you would shown me a, a a set list a list of what the announcements at squares square enix's e3 was going to be i would have been like oh this is about to be an a plus conference and the fact that it was as disappointing as it was i think speaks to they probably had the most to lose and they kind of did lose a lot of that um i'm still gonna go for gearbox though i think gearbox was the one for me that that just struck me as this is just very bad like on uh, uh in pretty much every single case you know even the one even with even some of the news that you could have shared in a way that could have gained some ground for you even those i felt were bungled in cases like you know godfall being included with uh uh you know the announcement of homeworld 3 which didn't have to be be, be memed but because of the way you memed it or because of the way you presented it became a memeable th- thing for us you know combined with Us getting shots of that Borderlands uh, movie, but with no new info, with no exciting twist to it. Gearbox for me was one where I was like, really, man, this is bad. This is really bad. Um, You know, I mean,
1: an interesting thing in like seeing, you know, Twitter's Twitter and like social media, social media. There's always going to be opinions on every side and takes every way hot, cold and everything in between. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of negativity and a lot of snark going around. And then there's a lot of praise and like, Hey, let's give a lot of round of applause for all the hard work everyone put in. And I think there's valid sides everywhere. Right. It's like, dude, the industry is insane. Like what everyone accomplished this week on every single side of it is just so impressive. Everyone deserves a round of applause for that. Like real talk, like, holy shit, this was nuts. Having said that, I, I really do think we need to take a look at this. And uh, something that I think people need to understand is there's so many levels that go into these showcases. And especially when we're sitting here critiquing them, it's like there's the announcements that they're making, but it's also how they show off the announcements. So there's a lot of times where I, I see people kind of critiquing us for being too negative or for like saying that something's boring or whatever. It's like it's on them to show their games off in a way that is is up to par and I think that the biggest losing factor of E3 this year was how low quality and honestly tone deaf so many of the showcases were in terms of engaging with their captive audience we are all here watching and reacting to more showcases than we ever have because E3 presented them in a way that says they're all equally important here's our schedule gearbox is getting a showcase capcom is getting a showcase both of them bungled it both of them used this platform or were on this platform and completely missed the mark on how to show off their games and it's not to say the games they showed weren't good to great to exciting to a bunch of different people but they really did a disservice to themselves and to us showing games off the way that they did and i think that we really need to take a look at that and take a look at all the people that did it right because it's not like it's just oh man there's just no answer Xbox knocked it out of the park okay cool you don't have the budget that Xbox has to have a, a show like that that's totally fine because guess what Guerrilla Collective knocked it out of the park day of the devs knocked it out of the park like there was so many examples of how to do a showcase and there's some many more examples of how not to and it's really not that hard guys just stop and think would I ever want to watch this and if the answer is no don't do it
0: yeah and for me you know when we were sitting here we're, we're talking about the conferences and we're critiquing these presentations for me it's never a thing of critiquing the developers like the developers are the saviors of this show like the, the developers are the ones that are out here putting out their art out here showing like taking risks you know op, op, like opening us us up to like you know seeing the concepts that they're putting out there and they being really really cool concepts i remember doing the Koch stream when we were when we were reacting to the Koch uh, uh Koch media showcase at a point I was like, man, even though this sucks, like shout out to the developers at the very least because they're out there putting in work and there was somebody in chat that was like, no, don't shout out the developers. And I'm like, no, shout out the developers because it's not their fault that this stream sucks. Like the developers are the only saving grace about this. The The fact of the matter is that they're putting, they're being put put out there uh, uh in, in a way that's not doing them a good service. You have a bunch of cool games to show off, show them off like they're cool games. Don't don't have us sit here and watch two hours of uh, interviews that are not saying anything. Don't give us a logo and then go back it go back into interviews that are badly framed, badly edited. Like these people are putting in work and you're not doing them justice. And you're Koch Media a very like a very wealthy organization that has the resources to put together a showcase uh, uh that's way better than what they did um the fact that they weren't backing up I, for me the fact that they weren't backing up the developers were the thing was the thing for me that made it a very upsetting uh, uh showcase you know it's all for me it's always about show these games off in the best way possible and i think that's what it comes down to when we're talking about these showcases yeah Absolutely.
1: And I, I just, it, it baffles me, man. I don't understand the decisions made that lead to to so many, so many bad showings. And I know that there's a lot, at play and i know that there's a lot of upper management and again going back to even the nintendo japan versus america thing it's like Mm. there's a lot of differences and when you look at a lot of the more awkward conferences a lot of them tend to be from the japanese developers and or the japanese developers uh games being put into more american style showcases that's where it all kind of grinds to a halt there just needs to be a more cohesive vision or else this isn't going to fix like there needs to be people that are like we are showing this game this way because that's what's going to suit it best for the most people and most of the time that is a pretty simple answer and it for some reason so many groups just keep fighting against that and it's 2021 this isn't like this is the first time this has ever happened like E3 has been around forever game showcases have been around for two decades uh people have been doing this and so many of them have vastly improved looking at Xbox now compared to Xbox even in like 2013 it or, or even like 2012, not to use the worst thing uh, of theirs. Like we are just in the best place ever. And it's so easy for us to look at E3 and be like, Ugh, this is a shitty E3. No, it wasn't man. If y'all mm-hmm. like, we're all so just like jaded in the now. But if you really look back, it's like we get every single year now, and this is only going to get more and more and more true. We get more banger announcements, more variety in video games every single year. That's just oh, how yeah. this industry is working. And it's like our expectations just get higher and higher and higher because the output's just getting more and more and more and higher and higher quality across the board with all the different people making it. And as the showcases, as everybody kind of gobbles each other up and, and acquires uh, different teams and stuff like. We went from not having a Bethesda conference to having a Bethesda conference to now Bethesda conference being part of Xbox's conference, right? Mm -hmm. Like so much has shifted and and now all of a sudden there's a little bit more cohesion in how things are going to be presented, uh, at least on the Bethesda Xbox side. So it's like continuing along with that. It's like E3 can be so damn powerful for developers big and small. It just requires a little bit more uh forethought and organization and and with that it's Mm -hmm. like we're never going to fully get away from the bullshit the bullshit pays the bills there has to be advertisements that like people are like who who wants this it's like well someone's paying to have it there and them paying to have it there's paying for all the rest of the stuff happening i get that but when you have a platform this big and you're making an advertisement it still needs to be a good advertisement this is the super bowl don't just bring a normal commercial bring a fucking crazy commercial
0: yeah Yeah, and then to back to the question of who won E3, I do want to give a shout out to the indies because there are quite a few indie showcases that we sat through and watched, and there are so many different indie games this E3 way more than I don't I think any E3 past where I was like shit, I really want to play that. Like Loot River uh, was one that Andy kept shouting out, where it was like a Tetris game combined with uh uh, like a top down action game. Like that game looked really cool. There was Fallen Aces from the E3 indie showcase yesterday that looked really really cool. That has a voice actor who's uh, a TikToker that. That i follow that i wasn't expecting to end up in this game but like what it had that really cool thing of fuck okay i really want to support this thing i didn't know this game existed before yesterday there was fire girl which looked really cool robo dunk unmetal uh bullets per minute uh musical story phantom abyss showed up to like the, uh, the ascent was at uh, xbox's thing and indies more than ever this e3 i think really came up and really uh shown in a way where it's very difficult for me to say this is a bad e3 maybe for your triple a announcements maybe maybe there were people out there that weren't satisfied but i got so much out of this e3 in terms of games i want to play in the future and for me that's all that's what it's all about it's all about learning about something new it's all it's all about getting hyped about something new and it's all about um, um looking forward to what i'm about to like the next game i'm about to play and for me this e3 really accomplished that and so Shout out to E3 2021. It's only going to get better from here. Mm -hmm. Tim, people can go over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where they can get the show ad free. But guess what? If you're listening to this, you didn't. So here are some ads. This show is brought to you by Burrow. Most of us haven't found our forever home, which makes buying furniture a double edged sword. You're either buying some cheap futon that you'll just leave out on the curb someday, or you're investing in an expensive sofa that might last forever, but definitely becomes a pain in the butt when it's time to actually move. You think someone would have figured out how to create quality furniture built for the way we actually live, wherever we live? Well, someone has burrow burrow makes furniture easy to shop for shop for everything you need for your living room online no far-flung warehouses no high-pressure salespeople plus Burrow's world-class support team is available for you whenever you need. Burrow makes furniture easy to assemble, easy to move. Burrow's innovative modular design and super helpful instructions makes assembling and disassembling your furniture quick and hassle-free. And when it's time to move, your Burrow furniture won't hold you back. It's furniture designed for the way you live. Their credenzas are actually tall enough to fit next-gen consoles standing vertically. Their award-winning nomad sofa has a built-in USB charger for all-day power. It makes things fast with free shipping on every order. Burrow can save you an average of $100 on large items like a couch and a logistics headache. Right now, you can get $75 off your first order at burrow.com games. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot games for $75 off your burrow purchase. burrow.com games. Welcome back. Let's talk about story number two. Cyberpunk 2077 is finally coming back to the PlayStation Store. This is from Addie Robertson at The Verge. CD Projekt Red says Cyberpunk 2077 will return to Sony's PlayStation Store on June 21st, slightly more than six months after being removed. As Polygon notes, the news came in a regulatory disclosure by Cyberpunk 2077's developer, CD Projekt Red's parent company, uh, saying Sony had agreed to reinstate the game. A City Project Red spokesperson declined further comment about Cyberpunk 2077's return, including what potential bug fixes or other updates the, the new version offers. In a statement to Polygon, Sony confirmed the news but said that it still doesn't recommend playing the game on PS4. Quote Users will continue to experience performance issues with the PS4 edition, while CD Projekt Red continues to improve stability across all platforms. Uh, Sony Reactive Entertainment recommends playing the title on PS4 Pro or PS5 for the best experience, a spokesperson says. CD Projekt Red ex- executives have said they frequently updated Sony on fixes for Cyberpunk 2077's myriad bugs and performance issues since the game was pulled from the store on December 17th, 2020. The studio has released n- numerous patches for its console, PC, and Google Stadia editions uh, in late May. Joint CEO Adam Kaczynski told investors there'd, be, there'd been visible progress on stabilizing the game, but Kaczynski said Sony would have to make the final call tim it's finally happening cyberpunk 2077 is coming back to the playstation store what does this do for you
1: i mean honestly this is just kind of like all right i guess i guess it's happening hearing him say it's quote visible there's visible progress like i'd hope so right and also them just being like yeah hey don't play it on the ps4 it's like okay did you fix this <laughs> like-
0: yeah that yeah that's the thing It's it's crazy hearing that from sony too this very much feels like them Basically f- shaking hands and being like, or not even shaking hands. Shaking hands would be wrong way to put it. It feels like them, I guess, coming to an agreement of like, all right, we gotta get this thing back on the store. I guess how are we gonna, how are we gonna do this? Like, I play. It feels like PlayStation barely even wants this back on the store.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, look, like this is this has been a disaster since day one. Here we are, like half a year out from it. Like this is a story that I don't think any of us could have called um, mm-hmm. a year ago. You know. And uh, that the cyberpunk would be taken off of PlayStation's online store for half a year. That's just unbelievable. You know, the quality of the game, that's a little bit more like everyone expected it to be good. But there's always a chance things are bad. But this this type of news story is just unbelievable. But here we are believing it, having to deal with it and them adding it back. Like, I hope I hope that the news is better than this. And they're just trying to downplay it to like, you know, just be like. Eh, and then it'll it's be a not, pleasant man. surprise if it works the news but no. ain't
0: better than this like i and i think that's why this is being announced in a very very non-celebratory way them coming back and and uh, sony giving the statement of yeah don't play this on your base ps4 just play it on your ps4 pro like that feels very much like a we're all just going to take this l together and just put this game game back up i'm shocked it's back period I am shocked it is back on the PlayStation store. Yeah. Given how how uh, PlayStation responded so quickly and, and given that it's been off for so long. I was expecting that the next time we'd see Cyberpunk 2077 on PlayStation would have been with an official PS5 version. And even that, I had a little bit of doubts. <laughs> even yeah. that, I'd be like, I wouldn't be surprised if PlayStation was like, no, nah, fuck them. You know, they fucked with our refund policy, and so no. Uh, the fact that we're seeing it surprised me a little bit. But, you know, again, is it, it's a whole weird situation that It's unlike anything we've seen before in this space, a game this big being taken off the PlayStation store for six months straight.
1: It's crazy, man. And and, you know, it's it's very telling that we got WitcherCon coming up. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not CyberCon. And that's like that's that's kind of crazy to imagine. Like Cyberpunk felt like the biggest thing possible. And now it just kind of feels like this thing that Sony just wants to move past from.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, I'm going to keep on the lookout for this one because I, I do I, I do wonder what the future of Cyberpunk is. Because CD Projekt, they paint it as one of their pillars. It is supposed to be The Witcher and it's supposed to be Cyberpunk as their two main focuses. And they're building stuff around that. There's still the idea that they want to put multiplayer in uh, 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 into Cyberpunk as an additional mode. And I wonder if we ever get there. But I think that's one that I guess we'll just all have to... Be part of the story and pay attention to you as the, as the story goes
1: absolutely and like one last thing i want to say is like we are somehow still just in the beginning of this story like there is yeah. so much more that they're going to add with the actual next-gen updates and like going back and stuff And like yeah there's one day there and there, there's a good game in this and i feel like with the roadmap it could end up being a fantastic game when's that gonna be <laughs> is yeah. it gonna be in the next five years
0: Tim, speaking of what the fuck story, story number three, Rares Everwild has been completely rebooted. This is from Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Rare's Everwild has been completely rebooted following the departure of its creative director, VGC sources have indicated. The original IP was a, notable, was a notable absentee from the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase on Sunday, especially considering Rare debuted new trailers for the game at each of Microsoft's previous two big events, the Xbox Game Showcase last July and XO19 November 2019. And according to our publishing sources, it could be a while before fans receive a significant update on the title, and even long before it even releases. Video Games Chronicle understands that last year's departure uh, of creative director Simon Woodroffe, first reported by us, uh, first reported by Video Games Chronicle, I should clarify, uh, has led to a complete overhaul of the game, uh, of the game's design and direction, as well as significant changes to its senior leadership. According to people with knowledge of Everwild's development, the game's design has essentially been, quote, restarted from scratch, end quote, which means it'll likely be several years before it releases. We're told that Everwild's development team is now, quote, optimistically targeting a 2024 release that that Rare's most senior creative employee, designer Greg Males, has been brought in to lead the reboot. Males is arguably the most decorated designer in Rare's history, aside from the founding Stamper Brothers. Since 1989, Males has led design on some of the studio's biggest hits, including Donkey Kong Country, Banjo-Kazooie, Viva Pinata, and Sea of Thieves. According to people familiar with its development, Everwild's small team has struggled to define a clear direction for the title beyond its striking art style and soundtrack. As of last year, the game was a uh, third-person adventure with god game elements, we were told. One person said that, in particular, a mandate from Rare's leadership to not have any combat in the game had led to roadblocks in design. Last year, studio head Craig Duncan admitted that Rare hadn't discussed Everwild publicly much uh, because it was still exploring the title's core themes, uh, how the title's core themes would translate into gameplay. Quote, we learned a lot from Sea of Thieves, he told Polygon. At its heart, we love the idea of Sea of Thieves and players creating stories together. And quote. Tim. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, what? How? Uh,
1: I mean, I'm not surprised at all. You know, I, I I called this on Gamescast a couple weeks ago. I don't even remember when it was, but I was we were, I think we we're doing our predictions and we we're talking about what we yeah. see Everwild. And I was like, no, <laughs> like the there's this game. I don't even think is real, and I don't know if it's going to come out. And like this to me, I'm like, yeah, I still don't know. Like they're saying the the rumors are 2024 or whatever. It's like ah, we'll see. I'd be I'd we'll be surprised see. if
0: it comes if it eventually comes out at this point. Yeah, like I think this I, might turn into vaporware.
1: I think it'll turn into vaporware, and I, I don't think that that's necessarily the end of the world. It, it's complicated because, you know, people always want new IP, but we also need to support old IP and not just, like, let it die. And I would not be surprised at all if this team ends up working on Banjo-Kazooie. If they, yeah. like, whatever, this turns into a Banjo-Kazooie game when all is said and done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it makes me sad a little bit, too, because I think there was something there in terms of the art style. Like, when they revealed it Everwild, there are quite a few people that that took to it because it looked like a cool thing and it's coming from rare and it's coming off the of sea of thieves and with rare riding this wave no pun intended uh of having put out a game that you know was able to attain an audience and, and 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 have a promising feature you know that game now has pirates of the caribbean content being added to it with rare being able to do that you know i think there was promise in the idea that oh cool maybe they're gonna put out another game and get back to being th- that dope ass rare studio that we love and ever while struggling like this it being revealed maybe way too early it seems like you know all all the above i think it's just it's a bummer but i also don't think it's the end of the world you know like i wouldn't i i wouldn't mind if they got to the point where they're like hey we cannot figure this out the vision was for it to not have combat and we just we don't know how we're gonna make that work and so we are just gonna work on a banja kazooie or on a different game instead i think that could be uh i think that would be the right move here um but it's already announced, and so maybe they keep working on it, and maybe we'll see what comes of it. Who knows? Yeah, totally. Tim, to I have one more, one more news story. Story number four. Don't expect Sports Story anytime soon. Sidebar Games tweeted this out on Twitter this morning. Sports Story mini update. Some parts of the game unexpectedly grew quite large. The tennis part now has a full career that spans multiple zones. We decided we have no choice but to see it through and look forward to sharing the results of our struggles. We think it was worth it. So, Tim, I know me and you are both excited for some sports story, but uh, Mm -hmm. they got to work on tennis. They got to expand the tennis.
1: Tennis is
0: real promising for them.
1: (laughs) I love that that, that they care this much. You know, like even in in their tweet, Mm -hmm. the way they're straight up just saying, just like, hey, sorry it's a tough choice but we have to see this through it's like good for them man make the game that you want to make especially on this indie side especially for what this is because guess what new IP the next thing you know once it comes out and is reviewed well it's not a new IP anymore you want the sequel that's a good thing we are very excited for sports story for that exact reason and it coming out like I really want to see it be a market improvement over what golf story was and I think that this could hit hard with people especially with how many more units of the Switch are out there these days where you know golf story the first one had that real big boon of people just wanting something to play after Breath of the Wild was done you know but now people are like itching for this they want this type of experience oh, yeah. and they're they're looking forward to it in in a in a way that is previously rare for indie games but it's becoming more and more common a thing of they put out a hit and then people are looking forward to the next thing. So when indie showcases, you know, what's really cool. Bless. Mm-hmm. I imagine that by next E3, when there are indie showcases happening more so than ever, there's going to be this same type of fervor of, Oh man, I hope hollow Knight, silk songs there. I hope that uh, sports stories there. I hope that X, Y, Z. And it's like, there's going to be a whole bunch of things we're looking forward to. And that's already, oh, we're yeah. seeing hints of it, but like, there's going to come a point where I don't know who's going to nail it. Like and it might never be nailed. It might be in ten different places over ten different days and different showcases. But I do think that there is a a world where we are equally excited for some type of indie game stream than we are yeah. the big dogs.
0: Yeah yeah, dude. Like, I mean, you look at uh, I forget which of the indie showcases it was on Sunday. I think it might have been the future game showcase, correct me if I'm wrong, where it closed out with um a new game from the folks behind telling lies and her story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's obviously not an announcement for everybody. But for me, when I was in the when in the call while while I was watching, and I was like, oh shit, that's really cool. I love that announcement. It kind of speaks to your point of, more than ever, we're seeing follow-ups and we're seeing people build identities. Like think about how much people love Toby Fox as a creator and people love Undertale and Deltarune, and how people have fervor for the next chapter or or for the full Deltarune game. You know, you see how much the
1: people not people... plays
0: games. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at that, you look at um uh, how much people ask for the cuphead DLC or how much people ask for Hollow Knight Silk Song. You know, it, it's it's super cool to see even something like sport like sports story slash golf story, which is fairly smaller uh uh, than those games but does have this core audience to it that really looks forward to it and appreciates these updates like i look at this and i'm like okay cool yeah take your time i'm sad i'm not gonna play it soonish but at least you're making the game of your dreams and at least you're making something that is hopefully going to come out and feel full and not feel rushed and feel like something cool fresh uh and neat and i think you know coming off of story number three talking about everwild and how we're, we're kind of in the dark on that game on that game and it's being revamped and all that stuff i think this is an example of how to do it right where development of games ch- games change during development there's feature creep there's things that don't work there are visions that change Communicate what that is, communicate what's going on, give us an updated timeline, and keep working. And for Everwild, we've not been getting clear updates, which is what makes that Everwild story kind of frustrating. Uh, Nintendo came out with Metroid Prime 4 that one time and was like, hey, we're literally restarting development, just so you guys know. And that was a refreshing thing. Bummer news. But at the very least, we we're getting more info and a clear idea of, cool, let's not anticipate this anytime soon. And also, okay, and we know what's going on. Everwild, us not knowing what's going on is a bummer. Sports story, us knowing what's going on, and it seem like, seeming like a promising thing that's going to lead to a better game. Such a cool thing. And I love, I love that for them.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally.
0: Tim, I can't wait for sports story but it seems like it's just so far away if i wanted it was coming out to mom grab shops today where would i look
1: the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the kind of funny games daily show hosts each and every weekday
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: We got a nice vibrato in there.
0: Yeah, Kevin was Kevin was having the time of his life just now. I shook Out my today, face got... real hard to make that noise. <laughs> I love that. Out today we got The Elder Scrolls Online console enhanced for PS5 and Xbox Series X/S. We got Among Us for Xbox Series X and Xbox One. We got Strange Brigade for Switch. Uh, I am Fish first public demo is available today on Steam. Uh, online ordering is open today to consumers for all the new. Okay, this is a different one. Hold on, let me say that again. Online ordering is open today to consumers for the all new Atari VCS uh, PC slash console hybrid uh, gaming system. So, if, if you've been waiting for that Atari VCS, uh, it's getting closer. It's coming out. Probably. New dates for you We got Spirit of the North Enhanced Edition that'll be releasing on Xbox Series X on June 29th, 2021. Tim folks can go over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where they can get the show ad free, but they can also write in with their questions just like. Derek Smith did. Derek Smith, A.K.A. Can You Dig It, writes in and says, <laughs> "Regarding E3 announcements, are companies damned if they do and damned if they don't? If you have a conference but don't announce anything big, you get slammed. But if you decide not to hold a conference at all, every everything asks where they are. Or I guess you mean they mean everybody asks where they were. I would also I would always argue that you shouldn't hold a conference unless you've got something big." But is this a lose-lose situation for some companies? Hashtag bring back the KFGD top five. Tim, is it a lose-lose companies if they don't have something to show and they don't show up to E3? In in
1: a real way? No, it's not lose-lose. Uh, in, in what he's presenting here, Sure yeah totally um i mean you're only winning if you have the dope shit to announce but even then people are still going to be like oh where was this where was this where was this but that's just because we care that's just because we want to like these things and we're looking forward to more of the things that we love about video games and getting more specific what we love about capcom games or xbox games or nintendo games et cetera, et cetera, and all those can mean very different things i think that it is very clear that we have matured as an industry both on the game's media side and the game dev side where there are kind of buckets. And I feel like as time goes on, more and more buckets are added of types of announcements and um, ways to present them. So either there's the key things we're looking for normally an announcement of the game being one of them. Right. A uh, Mm -hmm. gameplay, uh, a CG trailer is one gameplay. Demo is another release date is another. Right if you don't have one of those things to add for their game, maybe you shouldn't be doing anything right. But then you have to add, it can't just be one, you need a whole bunch. And that's where the pacing of a showcase starts to play out where you kind of want a nice mix of all the things, because in a perfect world, you're trying to tell your audience, Hey, fan of this thing that we are trying to sell to you. Here's what we're going to give you now. Here's what we'll give you then. And here's what we can give you way later. Get them hooked Mm -hmm. so it creates a cycle so we have an understanding of what to expect next time there's a showcase and what we're going to be playing in between that and what we're hoping to be playing in a long time. And I think that that's where, uh, especially given where we're at the world right now, you know, PlayStation kind of coming through and just being like, we're not going to be part of this. Like, yeah, we can all keep raising our hands and be like, oh, where's PlayStation? Like, why aren't PlayStation here? It's like, well, they're not here because they decided. (laughs) They chose that because they probably looked at what I just said and were like, yeah, no, we don't need to do this right now. That doesn't make sense for us. And, you know, that sucks because in a perfect world for all of us, guess what? There would be just like a rule that everybody has to bring their most banger announcements for just E3. No announcements the entire year. It's only E3. One week. Everyone announcing everything. We'd love that. That's not the world we live in anymore. It hasn't been for a very, very, very long time. So with that, I think everybody just kind of is doing their own thing. And, they need to really ask themselves, what is the point of this? And are we going to achieve that uh, the way that we are presenting our information?
0: Yeah. I think it is about setting expectation and communicating effectively. When you look at who showed up at at this E3 and who didn't need to show up, nobody would have said anything if Capcom wasn't here. Yeah, nobody like nobody would have made that made a comic. Nobody would have said anything if, if uh, Koch Media wasn't here. Uh, nobody would have said anything if Gearbox wasn't here. Right. Like Nobody's forcing anybody to be at E3, and I think that is very much for a specific tier of developer and publisher. When it does come to the big guys like PlayStation or Xbox or even EA or Ubisoft, you look at EA, and EA is not doing anything until July, and that's not going to be part of E3. I believe that's part of Summer Games Fest, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, and, and they don't like they're not at E3, but nobody is asking the question. Oh, what's going on with EA? Why isn't EA here? EA is communicative effect communicated effectively. They've told you they're gonna be here in July. They're gonna have stuff for you to show there. Um, and even if even if they weren't, right? I think it is about being clear with your audience in terms of why right like if, if ea is not showing up in the summer at all then i think that would have to be a blog post of hey just so you know we're still working on things we we head down because we have a, a few cool things in the works and i think that's what you do in order to to, to satisfy the audience playstation has been absent for, from e3 for quite a while now and i think that's the thing that we now come to expect we still ask the question every now and then are they going to return? Should they be here? You know, those are those are conversations that perk up. But for the most part, I think they've also done a good job of being like, no, we, we'll, we'll talk on our, own, on our own terms. That's how we do things now. We're PlayStation. You're going tune to tune in to us when we do a state of play, and you're going to be fine with it. And for the most part, that has worked. You know, they had a state of play a few weeks ago, and we we're very happy with what they had to show about Horizon Zero Dawn. We've been happy about them showing off games like Ratchet & Clank, uh, Rift Apart, at previous state of plays. And they've done a good job of proving that they have their own cadence and they communicate it pretty well right and there's still that anticipation of well is playstation playstation going to do anything this summer period but i think that kind of plays back into the thing of we're not asking that because they're not at e3 necessarily i think we're just asking that because we're looking forward to what playstation has next we're looking forward to when they're going to make the next big announcements and i think that's a decent place to be at you know i think being able to have your own thing or speak on your own terms and not feel beholden to showing up uh, during a specific week is a very fine and oftentimes a very powerful thing.
1: It is and you know, it's interesting Konami Right, they were supposed to have a showcase and then they were like, you know what we're not doing it We're not ready and like that's Perfect that's example. an interesting interesting thing there and you know looking at Capcom and looking at Gearbox Which are two that we are shitting on? Um, I lovingly refer to it as Crapcom because I'm timid. I can't resist Damn. bad puns, but Damn. um When you look at that, it's like, okay, what did they show? There was some cool games and it's like well Monster Hunter stories with the monsties was also at nintendo show so they could have just not had their capcom show and then on the other side for uh gearbox it's like well the wonderland game was at summer game fest so didn't need this and like of course there's always the argument of oh well why would they turn down free publicity it's like it's not about that it's just that the publicity could have been so much better if this was presented in a way that was uh, a little bit not just more defined but like appropriate and you know the hype honestly exciting interesting at some level of more information than we got in the other showcases we've seen these games and we talked about it a lot this week but i think there is a benefit for some indie games being shown over and over and over because that builds an awareness with us where we're excited to see more yes. of the ten shout different out, games you were talking shout about out to earlier Point campus mm-hmm. yeah totally so I don't know. It's it's all over the place for me, especially with Capcom, where it's like they just village just came out. They could have just not been at E3. No one would have been like, where are they? Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's nobody right now is like, what's Capcom up to Like, Like what? We haven't seen them forever. Like they've been releasing games. You know, they we know what they're working on. Um, so I'm right there with you, mm-hmm. Tim folks can go over to patreon not patreon you can go over to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong where you re- write in let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe Tim would it surprise you that we apparently have no your wrongs and no. I know the your wrong sheet is working because somebody wrote in to ask have you heard about two-point hospital uh she does that this is a this is a rarity this is a rarity I'm shocked Fantastic, uh, that man. can't that can't be right uh but it's me and you it's me and mm-hmm. you, which means Dream team. we can't be stopped. Tomorrow's hosts for Kind of Funny Games Daily are me and Andy, so get hyped for that. If you're watching this live on Twitch, we're done for the day. We got nothing mm-hmm. else going on because this was the last thing. Uh, we're, rec- of course, recording later than we used to when you got a full day of content between a Nintendo Direct, a Games Cast, and an actual full-on Twitch stream. So... After this, I'll say, everybody, go watch GameSpot Play for All Showcase. I've heard Mm -hmm. there's supposed to be some very cool games over there, including She Dreams Elsewhere, which is a game that I'm very much looking forward to. So go check that out. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live, right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Uh, We have no Patreon post show for this episode specifically because we're still in E3 week. And so we are very tired after doing a bunch of content. We hope you understand. Uh, I've been blessing. That's been Tim Ma fucking Gettys. Until next time. Game Daily.